Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Let me welcome to the show someone who's going to help me suss through this because I didn't really watch Tony's last night. Maybe he did. I think he did. He's the author of Supreme Models, Iconic Black Women Who Revolutionized Fashion. He's got other books as well. Supreme Actress, Iconic Black Women Who Revolutionized Hollywood. Let me welcome the great Marcellus Reynolds. Welcome back, sir. Hi. Oh, How are you? I am good. Your mic sounds nice. Check one. Funny. <laughs> So um, did you watch, because it was, there were competing things going on last night. So Time Magazine had their 100 thing. And I, so I saw Mary J. Blige and I'm like, then I ended up getting caught watching this BET plus Porter, the Porter, which took me, I mean, that thing with Alfie Woodard is chef's kiss. So I'm happy about that. But I didn't tune in, but I saw Felicia Rashad won. I was like, yay. And Jennifer Hudson got the EGOT. You know, yeah. I was like, yay. Um, but I didn't know Joaquina Kalakango, uh, but this clip of her singing this song was like going around my timeline. So I was like, okay, what do you know about her? Well, I watched last night, right? So, you know, I'm gay and, you know, the Tonys is like prom for me. So, of course, but much like you, I had to change focus because there was a lot of things going on um, last night. But I kept coming back to it because this Tony specifically felt like a celebration of blackness and a celebration of gayness and a celebration of queerness. So even though I wasn't like, um, like, constantly on it i was refreshing my feel my you know refreshing my twitter feed and i was watching it and then i would turn away from it when the commercial break would come on and go back to something else so i was like really into it and a lot of my friends were very into it because of because there were so many people in sort of my circle that were nominated for awards last night also both black and gay so it was like a really big night um there's so much good right now on Broadway that's Black. And I'm telling you something that it doesn't feel, you know, we came through the pandemic, we came through the protests, and a lot of things happened that were like sort of performative. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then in Broadway did not feel performative. It felt like Black excellence. It just felt like excellence, period. We don't even have to put Black in front of it. And I think last night we saw people rewarded for that. And the performance that we just saw from Joaquina is just glorious and beautiful. And I was trying to get in to see that play the last time I was in New York and couldn't. <laughs> it, was, it, it was sold out. They It had like that Hamilton vibe. It had that Hamilton vibe. But the buzz around it was so big. But there's so many other great things happening. Of course, you know, take me out because of Jesse. Let's be honest. That's yeah, the hottest yeah, Jesse Williams. Yeah, yeah, and um, Jesse, the other Jesse won last night. Jesse Ferguson, I think. Tyler Ferguson from Modern Family, who right. was part of a couple of Modern Family. He won last night. I got to tell you, that was kind of an upset because a lot of people thought that um, that uh, that our Jesse was going to win last night. Listen, his penis should have won something. Listen. <laughs> I'm saying, like, we all got to see it. It should have gotten a Tony. 
That's we all, all got to it for a minute. It was the most anticipated moment, I think, of the Broadway season. But I also think that, like, you know, a lot of people, when he was cast, considered that stunt casting because a lot of Broadway actors don't like this idea of television actors coming and taking roles on Broadway. But Jesse was looking for a way to reinvent himself. And why not go do, you know, a Broadway play? Why not go show people that he isn't, that he's more than just a beautiful face? because that we've seen for season after season on Grey's Anatomy. And I think that this performance and the buzz around it actually shows people what he's capable of in a whole lot of ways. <laughs> all, all of that. Um, and listen, it, it's much the way Hollywood has embraced rappers and, and uh, wrestlers, you know, the top grossing um film of uh, actor right now is the rock you know he's the biggest box office uh draw and before that it was will smith you know rapper uh you know it's like this is the unfortunate culture that we're in where we are enamored by stars not necessarily talent and viola writes about it i don't know if you've read viola's book um but oh my goodness she writes about that very thing that you can be talented and be a journey woman or a journeyman and never really get break, break out. And because it's all about, can you draw people into the box office? And in this case, you know, the same for, for, uh, Broadway's different though, a little bit. Broadway's a little different. You know, it's interesting that you have a play like the music man with, um, uh, Hugh, 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 uh, Wolverine. Let's call him Wolverine. Right, with Hugh Jackman, and it's selling out, and you can't, and it's the hottest ticket on Broadway. And Hugh Jackman is a huge star because he's Wolverine, but people have no problem with him going back and forth between blockbuster movies and being like this, like showman on Broadway. Um, and then, but the other thing that I wanted to talk about where that's concerned is you have these um, sold out blockbuster plays that have sort of this kind of quote unquote stunt casting with the big stars. But then you have a play like For Color Girls that got seven Tony nominations last night that unfortunately didn't win any because it's such a strong season, a strong Broadway season. But that play is sort of struggling to get people in the seats. So there's so many good things out there, but it's like, what do you have to do now to draw attention to a play that is obviously a great um, reinterpretation of a classic play to get people in the seats? So that's always going to be, I think, the catch-22 of entertainment. There's always going to be, I mean, the Kardashians run entertainment, but what is their talent? You there know, there's that lack of really talented people out there that somehow the public cares about or that capture the public's attention. But I don't think that's what we're seeing this season in Broadway. I think that specifically, like you said, in Broadway, the cream rises to the top. If you're going to come from television or from blockbuster movies and do Broadway, you better be able to hold your own. You better be able to bring it. You better Patty Lapone it. Anyway, she, who won last night? 866-801-8255. Marcellus is here. You know, and as, as you're talking about that, this 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 space that we're in, I, I'm hoping that maybe we're we're cracking through to to a time when talent matters. You know, I'm thinking about this Paradise Square that I'm intrigued. I didn't hear about it until 
last night. I didn't know that I didn't hear about it because I'm not in that Broadway, you know, even though Tanya Pinkins is on the show every week and she brought, you know, Ron Simons has been on a few times and we really did a push to get for color girls. You know, I bought tickets. I didn't even go, you know, I gave them away, but that was important. And it's sad because that play is amazing from everything that I've seen, but you have Bill T Jones choreographing paradise square, legendary Bill T Jones. And you're like, how am I just hearing about this? And then, you know, with, with, um, how do you say her name? Joaquina? Jo- Joaquina? Yeah, I think it's Joaquina. I think you, okay. I think. Okay. Where is she from? I'm trying to find a bio on her. Kala Kango. Like, where the hell did she come from? Like, why don't I know her? I know. Well, that's also the thing about Broadway. There's so much talent on Broadway that you don't know about. And then it takes them coming to Hollywood or going to television for you to like really discover who they are. Think about how many great performers are known in New York or known in the world of Broadway that sort of don't break outside of Broadway. But then when they break outside of Broadway in Hollywood or on a television show, then it's like, oh, where you been? Well, I've been, you know, pounding the boards on the great white way for a million years. I've got a Tony or I've got three or four Tony nominations. I mean, I think about um, a great example of that is, you know, Felicia Rashad's daughter, who's on um, Condola, Condola uh, Rashad. Yeah. Who's now on a television show, but people didn't know Condola had like multiple Emmy nominations or didn't even know that that was her daughter. Right. When she, um, I'm sorry, you're right. Tony nominations. Didn't even know that was her daughter because I didn't find out how what a Broadway threat she was until I started doing the research for the book, Supreme Actresses, because I put the entire, I put Felicia Condola, I put Debbie Allen and her daughter Vivian in the book as an acting dynasty. And I didn't know how like, you know, how, how major the two daughters were of these major stars that we as black people love so much. We love our Felicia and we love our Debbie. Yes. Well, you know, transfer to the kids. Yes, it has to. (laughs) Well, Felicia, of course, she won last night, 73 years old. Go ahead. Now she won for best featured actress in a play for her performance in skeleton crew, which was also nominated for best new play in the show. She plays uh, Faye, a factory worker who has been at the same plant for 29 years and is facing a significant bump in her pension after 30 years. Go ahead. And then last night, the great Jennifer Hudson became one of two black women with an EGOT. That's an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony for Strange, A Strange Loop. She won. She was one of the producers, which I didn't know until last night in this best musical category. She was uh, one of the show's co-producers, and now she is joining, um, uh, who else was on? RuPaul, Don Cheadle, Mindy Kaling, and Billy Porter also were. So they got they got a Tony last night, too. And of course. Can you believe that? That's the way to get a Tony. If you want a Tony, go throw some money out of play. (laughs) Note to self. That's I, I did that exact thing. Marcellus. I was like, okay, because I said, I'm going to get one of these and ain't going to be singing and dancing and stuff. But this is a good way. I'll throw some money at something and get me a Tony too, because that is the way. So now she joins, of course, Whoopi Goldberg, of course, Rita Moreno, John Legend has an EGOT and Audrey Hepburn, and uh, that's that's just uh, chef's kiss to her. I know that 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 is the easy way to get that. 
866-801-8255. Marcellus is here. Marcellus Reynolds. He is the author of Supreme Models and Supreme Actresses, both amazing, amazing books. And if you are a Big Brother fan, as I am, Big Brother uh, Season 3 contestant. Now, Big Brother's about to come back, I think it's summertime. Have you, did you, have you been, uh, nothing? This new Okay, can I tell you, okay, so it's my 20-year anniversary. I did Big Brother 20 years ago. Um, I'm still, 20 years later, conflicted about whether I should have done Big Brother. I'm still conflicted 20 years later about my, um, about the impact that it's had on my life, both positive and negative. Um, about my legacy, um, because you know, I was the first ever out black gay man to appear on a major network reality show when I did Big Brother in 2003, 2002, excuse me. And that was before there was like a black guy that was on Queer Eye for like two episodes before they fired him and replaced him with a white appearing Latino guy. And that was, um, I think two or three years before Karamo was on the real world. And so, I was like the first. And had I known that I was the first, I probably wouldn't have done that. And had I known all the, mm. the weight that that appearance was going to carry and how it continues to affect my life negatively, I probably wouldn't have done it. But, you know, God takes care of babies and fools. That's what they say. <laughs> so That's hilarious. I did, I did and I said what I said in the, in the immortal words of Mimi Leakes. Um, but as you as you contemplate that, I mean, it's been twenty years. Uh, Big Brother's set to uh, July sixth, I think, is is when the season twenty four. Last year, the cookout was amazing. We've had a conversation about that. Xavier Prather, I didn't want him to win. I wanted Tiffany to win. Tiffany Mitchell, but uh, she got fan favorite. She got seventy five thousand. But the prize now is seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That's a, like that's a lot of money. It is about time. Do you know how much money I made in two thousand two? Every episode. And I think that they were still paying us. They paid us $750 a week to do Big Brother. And because it's a reality show, you don't get residuals. Meanwhile, they were rerunning that um, that show all over the world. They they play it on CBS's um, um, player platform every Mm -hmm. season and they play clips of it every every season Um, for the past 20 years. Every time Julie Chen um, goes on and talks about Big Brother, you know, when they when they allow her to go on a, a night a nightly talk show, usually a CBS talk show, because don't nobody else really want to talk to her. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, to talk to an adult. Okay, I'm not even going. I hate Julie Chen, so let's just. Okay, oh, I didn't I didn't know that Marcellus. I I had no idea. Uh, and I just Julie Chen. Julie Chen has talked a lot of trash about me for the last twenty years, and she Why? never talked. When she sees me, she's kind, but behind my back in public forums, she talks trash about me. What she is talks she saying? She says things that are nasty about my ego and about the reasons why I didn't use the veto. And I think that if you actually watch season three and you saw how my story arc went, you understand why I didn't use the veto. And especially if you were a producer on the show, you know that I was going to use the veto up until the moment I didn't use the veto. And it was a very emotional decision I made that cost me $500,000. So when you make an emotional decision like that, when you're basically sacrificing yourself for the people that you've grown to love in the show, 
And then somebody who is rich and famous and married somebody who was the, ran the was, network, ran the right, network, but carried on a long term affair with I was somebody gonna say who was married. You know what I mean? And then ended up marrying him after his wife divorced him because of you goes on and talks about you in a negative, untrue way. Of course, you're going to feel sort of, you know, some kind of way. And I think that also sets the tone for how like laymen or viewers view me as a person. If she goes on and says nasty things about me, then the casual watcher is going to parrot the things that she says. So I've always had a problem where Julie was was um, concerned. And the narrative for for CBS has never been how brave it probably was for them to put a gay black man on a national television show and for him to excel for 10 weeks out of 12 and really be the focal point of that season, which I was. It's always been, oh, he didn't use the veto and he's stupid because he didn't use the veto and it cost him the win. It hasn't been, oh, he blazed a trail and changed the way that gay black men are portrayed on television for years and now decades to come, which I think is my legacy when you ask me. About. I mean, listen, and and I think it should be, but and times, you know, I, I'm there's a uh, a whole thing about the I forget it was Buzz Lightyear or one of these little Toy Stories. Now they have a character that kisses another, you know, a male character that kisses another male characters and parents are up in arms because it's a cartoon geared towards kids. And there's like, you know, we're at a time now where it's like, I don't think you can look at any television show, any television show, any, whether it's a CW, you know, with all their teen Riverdale and legacies Mm -hmm. and all that to cartoons to everything without seeing an LGBTQIA character. Like there's commercials. It's like, it's now, every day which is it should be normal right but when you were when you were coming up the thing that you had and i think about billy porter in the same way i think about billy porter in the 90s trying to be an rb singer in in that video with the woman where he's singing love songs luther vandross singing love songs to women and never really having the opportunity to be their full complete selves freddie jackson and others and it's like now it's like frank ocean and Everybody, look, what's the name? Lil Nas X is a freaking superstar. But let's talk about that though. Let's talk about um, how Lil Nas, Nas X doesn't get any BET nominations and he's speaking out about it. He's one of the biggest musical acts in the world, but BET acts like he doesn't exist. But I'll also, when Lil Nas X came out and said that, and that started that controversy in 2005, I think it was. I had a show on BET for a season. And do you know the hoops I had to jump through for them to put a show that was created about me, for me, on that, on that thing? I shot the sizzle reel for this show. The network executives saw it, didn't want to put a gay black man on BET. They went out and tried to recast it with the straight guy couldn't find the straight guy that they liked as much as they liked me. That and the fact that the executive producer was pushing really hard for me because she created the show with me in mind. I shot the sizzle for it. The show was really about me giving makeovers to young black girls 
and nobody else was in that space really at that time that was black that was on e or on like these major network or on major network television shows doing makeovers again who was black and gay but bet did not want a black gay guy on their network so what do you make of that, right? Because it's it's like, you know, uh, and I'm not going to say any names, but they're executives and stuff. Like what? I'm nothing, but I'm I'm asking this question because it's almost like you're telling on yourself, right? Because I personally don't like Lil Nas X from day one. And y'all, y'all can run the tape back because I hated that song. I'm like, what is this nursery rhyme? This ain't music. He went in the lab, created a song. How's this beat Michael Jackson? I was infuriated by that because I'm like, this isn't, you know, this is not Michael Jackson and Prince to me. This is, you went in the lab and you made a song. Old town nobody, was, nobody was comparing Lil Nas X to those two giants, were they? the the billboard numbers but this is what's so crazy to me like you are outselling you're outselling really talented people musically now i have grown to appreciate his showmanship like this dude is ridiculous in terms of understanding the times that we're in and marketing chef's kiss to him but musically i don't think what he does is music to me but i don't also y'all can at me i don't think bts is good music all right Come on, let's go. 866-801-8255. I don't think that's music. That's in the lab, in the studio, made bullcrap to me. Karen, repeat that phone number again because we're about to... (laughs) No, I'm not giving it out. Y'all BTSers are not coming for me, but I said it. When people talk about BTS, when they talk about Britney Spears, when they talk about this manufactured-ass talent, I'm like, that's not talent. Can they actually play an instrument? Can they sing without auto tune? Like there's all like to me that's not talent. And I'm sorry, like we're used to we live in a world where we're used to like manufactured talent now, and we exalt that manufactured talent. Now right? that said, that said, Little Nox, Nas X is a phenomenon. So yes. BET saying no when y'all have a slate of mumble rappers who i can't understand as not real music either that y'all have promoted and pushed upon the next generation of young people what does this say about us as black people that he's not accepted at a bet awards ceremony or getting any nominations at all well it's always at the end of the day in the black community about homophobia you know, I'm from the south side of Chicago. I was that little black gay kid that was bullied, that was beaten up by gangs of people because I was also that little black gay kid that was a boy that would fight. So if one-on-one you said something that I didn't like, I was going to hit you in your fucking mouth. Excuse me. That's I was okay. going to hit you in your mouth. Um, and then when these kids figured out, oh, he's a fighter, then it, then it went from like one person trying to pop off to like groups of people popping off, Right. I grew up in a community that I felt at odds with my entire life, right? Because of my homosexuality. We don't have as black people, and it still feels like that when you see BET slight little Nas X, that we're still grappling with these ideas of homophobia. We're hating on each other for whatever reason when we're black, when the enemy is not us. They love the division. 
between us. They love the idea that we don't like that as black folks, we still have isms about LGBTQIA people. But how you gonna, how, how as a victim of hate are black people going to hate on somebody else when we know what it's like to be hated for who we truly are intrinsically, for things that we cannot change? Because the because of the skin of our, because of the color of our skin. And black folks hate gay people because they happen to be gay. And that just to me seems like. But it's, it's, it's sort of like you want to let, and again, if you live your life through the white gaze, G-A-Z-E or G-A-Y-S, you want the world to know that I'm not that because I'm already black. So let me distance myself. And the easiest way to distance yourself is by protesting too much. And what I'm saying is the protestation is you telling on yourself in many ways when you protest so loudly because people living their lives happy, being themselves, being comfortable in their skin should not be any kind of mark or something against you if you're living your life. So can't they, can they live, as Jay-Z would say, can they live? I think they should be able to, people should be able to live their lives. Karen, you just, I mean, I hope that you saw my face when you said that whole thing, because you just hit me square in the jaw. You just took me all the way out with that. That is exactly the truth. That is exactly right. It's like somebody else's happiness becomes a threat to you, or somebody else's success becomes a threat to you. But let's also talk about the fact that, like, think think about how many people that benefit from black gayness are in the entertainment business. Do you think that Gabrielle Union would look like Gabrielle Union if it wasn't for Larry Jara Sims doing that hair? Hold on. Patti LaBelle, Michelle Obama. I mean, like we could, we could be here all day. We could be here all. There's no, there's no Tonys as you just mentioned without the choreography, like none of that. Yes. So, uh, we got a minute left. Oh, how did this happen? So Marcellus, listen, you have to come back. I'm so grateful that you gave us some, some of your time today. We didn't get to nearly all of the things I wanted to talk with you about. So that means you have to, you have to come back. Any time. You know, I think of this as home now. All right. <laughs> well, follow him at Supreme underscore books, because he's got a lot of Supreme books, Supreme actresses, Supreme models, iconic black women who revolutionized fashion. And of course, Hollywood. Uh, Thank you so much. I appreciate you immensely. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.